Welcome to this episode of Horrific History and Hauntings. I'm Beth. And I'm Ravy. We're your hosts, here to talk about the stories that the history books ignore. From horrific epidemics and ghostly hauntings to the catastrophes and tragic events that have sickened humanity. Yes, and this is a tragic event in its own way, I suppose. Not the trip we took, but... um, A tragic event A tragic event led to this trip in a long, roundabout way. We went to the Mothman Festival for 2023. We have said for weeks that we were going to do it, and we did it. Our aunt and uncle took us, and I had a good time. I did too. Yeah. It was a crowd. They're expecting like 23,000 people over the course of two days. Yes. And, and it's a smaller area. It's a small so town. So it's a crowd in a small area. Yeah. It's Point Pleasant, West Virginia. If you're familiar with the Mothman story, you'll know that that's the town the bridge collapsed in. The Mothman supposedly calls the collapse or warned them about the collapse in its own way. Some say that the Mothman caused the collapse, but... From the book I read in, we're going to say part one of the Mothman, it said that some people also believe that it was a distraction Yeah. as to what possibly the men in black were doing and that maybe they caused the bridge to collapse. And I think that was also in the book we were listening to on the way there. The Mothman Prophecies, which I thought was just a movie and not a book. <laughs> oh, I knew it was a book because I seen it in the book that I read. You remember me mentioning John Kill, I believe the name was, the yeah. investigator. that He's the one that wrote the Mothman Prophecies book. I seen his name all the way up the road on the screen and yes. didn't even think about he that. He's the one that wrote the Mothman Prophecies. I know that now. So, yeah, we got in our car, drove to our aunt's house, then drove three and a half hours to Point Pleasant. Which took longer because it's really foggy along the way. Yeah, we left at 4.30, got there at 5.30, then we arrived at Point Pleasant, like 11-something, 10-something, because we stopped a couple times. They had parking everywhere, like almost every building was renting out a parking space if you wanted to park. It wasn't that difficult to get in. We seen the old rail bridge that stood alongside the uh, Ohio Silver Bridge, the Silver Bridge that collapsed. I'm pretty sure that bridge has been there since then. I'm not sure exactly. Do they still use that? Because I don't know if they still use the rail bridge. It looks a little rusty. (laughs) And it didn't collapse. (laughs) Still doing better. And apparently we were near the battle line for the Battle of Point Pleasant, (laughs) October 10th, 1774. We talked about Chief Cornstalk back in our first Mothman episode, didn't we? We did. It was close to the beginning, I believe, because I wanted to get the history of why they may think that the Mothman and all that tragic stuff happened. Mm -hmm. And it's because it said Cornstalk was upset about what happened to his people. Mm -hmm. So it was said that he uttered a curse on the general area. Which would be Point Pleasant. That might be what caused this whole ordeal. After we passed the 7th Street sign and all that, we ended up coming across the monument for the Silver Bridge collapse. And it had a plaque out front, of course. Constructed in 1928. Connected Point Pleasant and Canuga, Ohio. I think it's how you said it. Canaga? I don't know. Canaga? K-A-N-A-U-G-A. Ohio. The name is credited to the aluminum-colored paint used. It's the first I-Bear suspension bridge of its type in the U.S. Rush hour on December 15, 1967, resulted in 31 vehicles falling into the river, killing 46, injuring nine. Two of which were not found. It's a sad, sad event. Leading up to it, people had been seeing aliens, UFO stuff, or perhaps the Mothman. Yeah. Men in Black as well, right? Yes, Men in Black as well. Made a big deal about Men in Black. I had no idea. No. The Men in Black was not reported as much. And in the, I hope you're going to put the Mothman Prophecies book we listened to along the way. Yeah, I'll add that to the description of this one. And I might actually add it to the old episodes as well. Because it was a much, much longer book. That's why I didn't read that one. Because I wouldn't have had the time. Yeah. It had a lot 
of interesting things that I didn't know about in it. Apparently, the men in black are some shady characters. And from what I understand was trying to force people to keep their mouths shut if they did see something or they were themselves something themselves something not altogether human. Yeah, that was very much implied in the book. Yeah. Like I said, we listened to it on the way up there and I've learned so much more. And I was constantly chastising my sister for not telling me these. Because I didn't know. (laughs) They're in our first episode. I didn't choose to read that book because it's so long. I would have never had time. And I didn't think about listening to the book. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people were there. They were cosplaying as all kinds of things. Mostly Mothman. You've seen a lot of. Moths. Moths everywhere. And the little moth antennas. Little antennas. I'd seen those nowhere for sale. I didn't either because I was going to buy them. Yeah, I was going to get some. But I know they had them. But there were so many vendors. I just didn't know which one might have had them. I'm not the type of person that would walk up to a vendor or even a person and say, can you tell me where these are sold at? And I was not going to every vendor and asking that. <laughs> While we were sitting at the Bridge Clavs Monument, it's like a bench you could sit on, a big C-shaped bench with a plaque right in the center. While we were sitting there chilling, there was a green stormtrooper. And the fallout guy, I don't know how he was breathing properly and not dying of a heat stroke. Yeah, he had his gas mask on. He was kind of dressed like a raider. I mean, I guess like a, a vault survivor from the game Fallout. He just was dressed as one of those, like the random armor you collect. Yeah, honestly, that one was creepier than many of the, well, no, Jeepers Creepers was kind of good too. Oh yeah, they had Jeepers Creepers and all that. They, they also had Michael Myers dressed up. I seen Michael Myers, I guess his mask was in the way, and he walked up to a toddler in a stroller and realized he had walked up and startled a child, held his hands up and started to walk away, and their dad was like so nice about it and everything. Some people would go off for startling your child, but they did advise in the Facebook page that people should keep a close eye on their dog and maybe not even bring their dog, but I seen a lot of dogs and they all seemed very nice. Yes. I think they were more concerned about people tripping over them because it was so crowded you really couldn't see your feet sometimes. Yeah. You go in the state theater. They had a big sign up. Uh, Mothman Festival tells you to date. And it says, welcome to Point Pleasant on the other side. It is real nice. I want to go when it's not as crowded. I have plans to do that. Yeah. We also seen Chainsaw Man. I didn't watch the anime. Didn't read the manga. I have I don't know no that. idea what that is. It was very big for a bit this year. It's a pretty little town. A clean little town. There was also moth children. Wouldn't they be caterpillars? I guess. But I loved seeing people dress their kids as moth people. Yeah. I don't know if they were girls or boys because they were dressed as moth people. I like the dogs. Yeah. First place we visited after we stopped seeing all those people and everything was the Low Hotel. That's probably where I'll get a room when we stay. They aren't as budget friendly as the place across the river bridge in Ohio. Yeah, but the Low Hotel is supposed to be haunted. Yes. So we could do a podcast about that as well and then have a whole other trip experience and maybe even record in the hotel. It's old. It's an old I hotel. I would like to do that because it looked like one of those hotels... I wonder if it's been an area for a haunted or spooky, scary movie of some sort, because I feel like I've seen that hotel. We passed so many, so many vendors between the hotel and the memorial. But then we got just past the hotel and there is the Mothman statue. And it has a line outside of it for people to take photos with it. And it was getting sexually harassed a lot. Yeah, people kept touching the butt, (laughs) the big shiny metal butt. They loved it. I think I touched it the night we went. On yeah. a whim. And I, we were there at 12 o'clock. We yeah, pulled into the parking spot. Everything was closed. And we were the only two people out <laughs> on the street of Point Pleasant, this place we've never been before at the time. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'll do this. And so I touched the butt and I didn't think to get a picture. There is also a lot of beans, cans of beans sitting around it. Do you know why? Fallout. Yes. A lot of people played Fallout 76 and the Mothman worshippers in the game leave cans of beans around the statue. And now the people of Point Pleasant are kind about it, but they don't really want you to do that. They have to clean it up and they would <laughs> rather you donate the food 
to a shelter or some place where it could be used. Yeah. Because they have to clean it up. I get why it would be fun to do it, though. They don't like it. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Fallout. I was so happy when I seen my first Fallout. Plus groceries are cosplayer. expensive now. <laughs> I noticed some of those weren't even the budget brand of beans. Oh, my goodness. They were like the $4 a can ones. <laughs> oh, I want to be the outcast. I'll leave a bag of beans yeah, it instead was, of um, a can. It was fascinating. And people were kind. They didn't have to wait in line to take the photo. People had just formed the line to take a photo. Now, the butt side was pretty clear. You could it just was stand pretty there clear, but there was always somebody yeah. touching the butt. We, with our uncle, being a photographer for local papers, he told us with his lens we could stand near it and he could crop in and it would look like we're standing beside. And it worked. We got photos of us without, I guess technically we didn't cut the line since we weren't in the line yeah. and nowhere near the line. <laughs> but I still felt like people were judging us, though. <laughs> no, because we waited in between people. Yeah, we, we were, didn't take pictures with somebody else taking pictures no we were out of their shot and everything we were nowhere near them so he's just that good yeah i got some hodag root beer while i was there because i seen it on facebook people talking about it i don't know the lore behind the hodag they were yelling it in the streets through a speaker near the the stall yeah we should probably look into that because the root beer was pretty good well hold on a second hodag is a fearsome critter resembling a large bullhorned carnivore with a row of thick curved spines down its back. There's also a festival for it. I knew there was another Flatwoods festival in Flatwoods, West Virginia, but I didn't know about the hodag. It's said to be worn from the ashes of cremated oxen. Oh. As the incarnation of the accumulation of abuse the animals had suffered at the hands of their masters. That is sad. Now, Beth? I hope they, I hope it eats them all. Beth? I thought people used every part. Well, I guess the American colonists didn't really use. Yeah, the picture that's on here, it it doesn't look like indigenous people. Okay. I say American <laughs> colonists, and yeah, it American. wasn't even American at the time, I don't think so. Colonists. Yeah. Uh, but then we started to wander around a little bit. It's in Wisconsin. Why is it it's in It's tied to Wisconsin, sorry. Okay. Tied to. Okay. I was like, why isn't it the West Virginia thing? They should have had a Flatwoods stall. Uh, they probably did. I've seen a lot of Flatwoods monster merch. The hodag has figured prominently in early Paul Bunyan stories. I've never heard that in a Paul Bunyan story. We may do an episode on that one later on. Yeah. So I'll stop reading now. But we know what it is now and that there's a festival for it. I wonder where the festival is. I'm not going to Wisconsin. Why not? I would love to, but I don't think we have a means to get to Wisconsin. I have a good car. Yeah, I know. But I'm always the one paying for everything on these trips. And? (laughs) I don't know if I can afford to go to Wisconsin. Maybe one day we'll get paid from the podcast. But me and Beth wandered off while Uncle and Auntie ate because we waited a while for the food. We chose one of the shortest line. The reason the line was so short is because the waiting line was longer. (laughs) We didn't know that. So while they were eating... We wandered off and started looking around. We found on the river wall, basically it's along the river. There's lots of holes in the wall to get through to the river uh, <laughs> doors. Intentionally put holes. Yeah, they shut those doors and there's floods, I believe. Yeah. But we found like a ton of statues and a whole mural along the whole town. It was pretty much the whole length of the town. And it was like the history of the town and the area. The first thing I've seen since I believe we started on the right side, we've seen Daniel Boone's statue big silver statue of Daniel Boone. And I said, Beth, how did we never know this stuff was over here? We looked up a lot of stuff about this town. I didn't it know was it was dark there. and we were afraid that cops would be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Because it was probably suspicious the first time we went. I'll add some photos on the YouTube channel. So if you want to watch this on YouTube, I'll put up photos of stuff that we did. And if there's anything important being said in the video, 
I'll put that on there the last when we stop talking. So it's mostly just cool stuff you hear in the background on one of these videos that I want to put and I'll just add it to the last uh, podcast on the video version. There's a nice park along the river as well. You can go back there and chill. They had live music back there. I'd recommend if you haven't went, go to one of these one year. I'm sure it'll be great every year. Very crowded, but easy to park if you didn't mind paying like $15, $20. And it's free parking if you get there early enough. We were there at 10 and it wasn't early enough. But we only had to walk, what, five minutes and we were there, the whole town, everything going on. If we'd have known about the river walking trail beside the river, we could have just got there even quicker. Mm -hmm. And then the bridge that replaced the silver bridge. We, I mean, we drove across that our first night when we went a year ago. We went to the location where the first bridge collapsed, of course. That was near the monument. And at the end, near the new bridge, there is a state park. It's called uh, Tuindiwi. Is that right? T-U-E-N-D-I-E-W-E-I. Tuindiwi? The reason it's a state park is because during the war, Chief Cornstalk's camp was north near Old Town Creek. And General Andrew Lewis's camp was south at what is now known at Tuindiwi State Park. The only reason I mentioned that is because it is kind of important to the first thing we talked about. And then we went on down. There was more stalls for vendors and stuff down through there on the little river walkway trail. And they had statues with a mural behind it, of course, of Chief Cornstalk and General Andrew Lewis. And then right below that was a statue of Lord Dunmore. Governor of the province of Virginia, governor of the province of New York, war and affiliation, revolutionary war. Now we know why they have a statue of Lord Dunmore. Now, my sister here said something about him holding a golf club. Yeah, it looked like an upside down golf club. But it wasn't. It's like a scepter or something. I said, he had a scepter. It uh, looks a little bit like a golf club. Bev said, oh, that's not a golf club? <laughs> it was a good time. Lots of good photo opportunities. I should say, if you like photos, this place is the place to go, especially if it's a cryptid thing or a historical kind of thing. Back to Dunmore. It says, Dunmore in an effort to undermine Patriot Resolve, that's what his pro this proclamation was, declared that any enslaved person who fled his master and would serve with loyalty towards Great Britain would secure their freedom. That must have made him a very hated man in the Americas. By the war's end, between 800 to 2,000 enslaved African Americans in Virginia fled to British lines. Okay, and now we know about Lord Dunmore. See, I should know this, but America's history teachings are a bit lax. On their tunics, they wore the slogan from slavery to freedom because some of them were organized into fighting unit. No, a fighting unit known as? Dunmore's Ethiopian Brigade. Oh, no. And it says Dun Ethiopian Brigade. Ethiopian. That's what I said, right? You said Ethiopian. Oh, Ethiopian Brigade found early success in the field, but Dunmore's force was soundly defeated at the Battle of Great Bridge. On December 9th, 1775, Dunmore and what remained of his fighting force fled Virginia for the Bahamas, many of them dying of smallpox and other disease. See, I've fled Virginia to the Bahamas once or twice, and it never encountered smallpox luckily hmm. uh, i feel bad for them the poor guys they were fighting for their freedom and he was fighting for his country it's sad they had to get in that situation but anyway we ate a few fries and hot dogs good food the restaurants like along main street are open but we didn't get in there because we was afraid to see what kind of lines i will be visiting those when we go to stay up there because there's some good pizza i hear they have a mothman pizza i also would like to go to the mothman museum but the line was wrapped Plum around. All around the town, pretty much. Yeah, that will be on our third future episode that we do when we go up there and do the two 
The hotel. The hotel and the museum. Yeah. But we decided we'd leave and head towards the... TNT area, which is called the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. Yes, they stored ordnance stuff for like TNT. Also, to fit the thaw-out theme, there's like a couple of those on the way there. They're fun to look at. And it's only like a 10-minute drive out of town. Not the new... Well, the reactor and the TNT area. It is a little gravel road. uh, With potholes, mm -hmm. so drive safely. And Google Maps will tell you where... The walking spot starts to get to the, what we've referred to as TNT concrete igloos in our last episode. But Google Maps has a spot that says viewing area so you can get out. And it's like a 20 yard walk up that little dirt trail. You have to pay attention because it's so well camouflaged that you will miss it if you don't. We almost missed it ourselves because it's so well camouflaged, which was kind of the point of what they wanted it to be when they built it. Yeah. So There's a big swamp in front of it on the other side of the trail is the TNT igloo that we went to i believe there's a whole string of igloos otherwise it'd be a very small storage space and they put them far apart and made well, of concrete it was to, actually kind of big and i'm guessing most days it isn't as crowded yeah but this is where the first Mothman sighting thing happened right in that area yes yeah and apparently was seen there a few times but it's really loud everything echoes even the smallest little sound now that will be part of the youtube video at the very end yeah. If you want to hear that, it ain't really much, but just us walking around the thing and saying nothing. A lot of people are in there with us. There's no secrets to be kept if you're trying to whisper in that place. There's And there was glass, broken glass on the it, ground. So. It was so trippy, like the echoes, just walking. Your yeah. footsteps make you dizzy. Yeah. Or made me dizzy. I came out of there after like five, ten minutes and yeah. I was dizzy just because of the sound. Uh, when you walk out, it's kind of, it disorients you a little yeah. bit, I guess is how you would say it. There's graffiti everywhere, but, you know, that's expected at a place like this. It was exciting. That was my favorite part. A lot of these pictures I have of this, the better ones were taken by her uncle as well. You can tell where people get lazy with their graffiti because they do not want to climb up on the (laughs) upper half of the dome or bring a ladder. (laughs) It's only along the walls. You don't even really. Well, yeah, unless you're Spider-Man, you definitely need a ladder to do that. I wouldn't suggest you do it. It's kind of rude. I don't know. Uh, At this point, it seems like a place, like a lover's lane kind of situation. Yeah. Which is pretty much what it was then, too, right? Or was it in use back? No, it wasn't in use back when the Mothman incidents occurred. No, it wasn't in use then. And these places are also in Fallout 76. I didn't know what they were when I found them when the game first came out. But I kept wondering, like, why are all these little bunkers on each end of this little trail? And I can't get none of them. I'm guessing that's where you found little things as well. They probably put little things in the game. I couldn't get into them back in the base game. So I don't know. But there's been a lot of updates. Maybe you can get in now. Uh, You can launch your own nukes in the game. But no, we took a few photos here. He took a few photos of us. I took that little video. And then we drove back through town and left. Also, we had to get home before the nighttime when other things was going on. Yeah, there was a lot more going on at night and we just couldn't stay two days. We had a good trip. It was a fun time. If you watch the YouTube video, you'll see some of the photos. And Beth, you also want to talk some more about another Mothman incident before we end this episode, don't you? It's not about Point Pleasant. I read another book when I was doing the first episode and I didn't write as much for this one because it's about Lake Michigan reports of the Mothman in Lake Michigan and I was trying to stick more to Point Pleasant but I didn't realize that the Mothman had been seen in other places so I decided to read it anyway it's called the Lake Michigan Mothman by Tobias Whalen I like that name and it's definitely on Kindle Unlimited because that's where I read it and I'm sure if it's on Kindle Unlimited, you can purchase it 
I don't know how much or anything like that. I'll add links to all that. There'll be affiliate links to everything we talk about and more. So if you want a free Kindle Unlimited or Audible trial to listen or read these books, they'll all be in the description. If you use those, it'll help us out. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just going to go into a little bit of that. The spring of 2017 in Chicago, a strange winged creature was saw. Evidence to show the sightings never stopped from the Point Pleasant. They just kind of moved. And the locations seemed to shift all around because I don't think it was just around Lake Michigan. I think that other areas have seen it as well. Yeah. I mean, Mothman's been seen around the world. Yeah. Just outside Rolling Prairie in Indiana, Floyd Hancock's home had recent damage, leaving a hole in his living room ceiling, which they covered with a tarp. So obviously weather wouldn't mess up the inside of the house until it was fixed. There were strange noises and he woke up to find a disagreeable odor as well. A tall winged humanoid was standing over his sister's bed. It was about seven to eight feet tall, but it was hard to tell because it was crouched over. It had huge leathery wings and muscular limbs. It had a thin and skeletal face with sharp teeth and dark eyes. He screamed. So <laughs> his grandma came in. Wait, how old is he? I think he's just a child. That explains why his sister is in the room, because yeah. I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> well, he screamed. So grandma came to check what was going on. It stinks. <laughs> and she saw this creature and fell to her knees at the sight of it. Well, thanks, Granny. That was a big help. Yeah. The creature crossed the room, lifted Floyd into his arms, then carried him to the living room and through the hole in the ceiling. Flew up, straight up through the hole. Well, there went Floyd. I guess that's a little girl's room now. (laughs) He remembered being cold and wet as the creature flew higher. Then he passed out and he woke up later in his bed with his terrified grandma and parents staring at him. I would be relieved if they brought my child back. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess grandma's still shocked at what she saw. But the parents were apparently put into a hypnotic trance until the creature left with their son. They waited for several minutes. Then they heard scratching and a thud on the roof. And then Floyd's dad climbed on the roof of their trailer and found him unconscious. Really weird. I can see how this became a story to be told. Yeah. There was also a report of A woman who's said to be on Lake Michigan with her husband and two other couples just off Montrose Beach. I don't know where that is because I've never been there, but it's okay. It happened about 10 p.m. She saw what looked like a giant bat when she looked up, and she said it was not a fox bat. It looked like a bat, but she said it wasn't a fox bat. (laughs) Okay. It could be many other bats, but not that one. Yeah. She said it was as tall as her husband, and her husband is about six foot four inches or bigger, and that it was solid black. It circled the boat three times, then headed toward Montrose. About five minutes after the creature flew away, a bright green object was seen traveling north to south at the horizon. And she said it was not a plane and that it was moving slowly across the horizon. And then she began to feel an overwhelming sensation of dread and told her husband that they needed to leave. It's time to vacate, sweetie. Toodles. Yeah, she said, we need to leave the water. 30 minutes after that, a second report happened at about 10.30 p.m. And witness said... Witnesses said they heard what sounded like a bird flapping its wings, walked up and saw what looked like a big owl stood up on two feet and looked right at them. They said it looked like a lechuza. I have no idea what that is. I didn't either, so I looked it up. It's in Mexican folklore. An old woman, often a witch or brujo, Bruja. <laughs> can turn into a giant black bird. Most stories, the bird is an owl. Sometimes it's described as being an eagle, though. I wonder if one is nice and one is bad, but I love owls. I I would like the owl better. 
Yeah. It had large glowing red eyes, and it took off flying towards the North Avenue after they yelled at it. Well, I don't know if they yelled at it. I think they just screamed. <laughs> <laughs> like when most people see monsters. Yeah. They don't go, get out of here. <laughs> now you need to go on somewhere. <laughs> Move along now. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Then there was a third report at 2 a.m. on April 16th, 2017. A witness arrived at work at the Chicago International Produce Market and noticed four to five guys staring up in the parking lot. And when they looked up as well, the witness said, I looked up and saw the biggest freaking owl I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, and then they said it was about at least a foot taller than them and that they are six foot, two inches, give or take. Everybody there's they're tall. Yeah. Average is like five something to six. <laughs> it was described as being black with bright yellowish or reddish eyes. And then he said it stood there for a minute or two staring at everyone before shooting up into the sky and disappearing. Which that part doesn't make sense because didn't you say it was already in the sky? Maybe it just shot farther up like a UFO does. I don't know. Everyone felt uneasy, and it took off after them and threw rocks at them. Oh, oh no, no, no. It took off after them because some threw rocks at it. Oh. That's... These are brave people. I'd come after you, too. That's rude. And they said it had wings like an owl, but bigger, and they could hear flapping, and that it made a sound like a truck's brakes when they are burned out. It flew up and flew in a wide circle, then it flew in the direction of Stevenson's Expressway, for anybody that knows where that is. Everybody talks about how it makes sound when it's close enough to them they can hear it. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine hearing that while in one of those igloos? Oh, that would, I don't know if the ears could handle that. No. The thing about these particular stories is the author did a little bit of research, and it turns out the moon wouldn't have been visible on April 15th. And the witness at some point mentioned that the moon was in the report. She's seen it flying across the moon. But the author did research and found that that was a moonless night. So either it's a fiction or, or they were something in the sky. That's possible, I guess. Someone that the author met called Sam at the 2017 Milwaukee Paranormal Conference. He didn't think there was as much to these reports also because... The reported details didn't match any of the verifiable facts, which is why I don't plan on really going oh, too much into these particular stories. Okay. Because they don't seem very accurate. Okay, I assume that the author Not was... saying that the originals are accurate. Who knows? But they sound more accurate and seems to have less deniable Yeah. Well, the Mothman Prophecy book certainly is a cool story. Yeah. Um, at least it has a lot of... Interesting stuff. Another thing they found is two out of these three reports were allegedly they came from the same IP address. Oh, that's sketchy. Yeah. That's why I'm not spending too much time on these. I did the notes and I wanted to go ahead and not say them. some of them at least. But Well, let's hear them. Sam mentioned only one witness giving them accurate contact information, but had not returned any of this organization, M-U-F-O-N-S. They were apparently investigating the Mothman and taking reports and things like that. Mm -hmm. They never returned their calls or texts or emails. Well, that's rude. Yeah. There's also Lon's website, Phantoms and Monsters, and it was getting reports of a flying humanoid sighting in Chicago around 2017, I believe. He said he was working with UFO Clearinghouse. I'm not sure what that is. I think it's a place where you go to buy UFOs. <laughs> but they were investigating the sightings. 
and working together. There were reports of several strange light effects as well. Few unexplained flashes of lights reported in the city of Chicago. One of the three sightings reported involved a strange green light over Lake Michigan. Creepy. And UFO sightings over Lake Michigan that year as well was very popular. It was normal. Um, Deep water is scary in its own way because you don't know what's under you. And then if there's something above you, it's even worse. Yeah. And there's a lot of strange things about Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan is supposed to have its own like Bermuda Triangle thing going on. Obviously, it's called the I want to say Michigan Triangle, like Michigan Triangle. I have it written down to do an episode because there's a lot of mysterious things that happen there as well. Yeah. Which I'm wondering if maybe that isn't part of what happened here. A whole different scenario. Yeah. The different thing about these sightings and the Point Pleasant sightings is no disasters happened in Chicago after or during these Mothman reports or these UFO reports either. Yeah. Well, that's probably for the best, I I mean, yeah. It is, but just interesting thing to note. The creator of UFO Cleaning House, Manuel is his name, a person claiming to be a police officer contacted Manuel and said on the night of June 29th, he saw a large creature that looked like a dark black shadow with wings. He said he was reluctant to come forward because of his career, but that he reported it at his police station. So they went to ask for the police report, and they were told no such reports existed. So either no reports were made at all or... Something else was going on and they just didn't want to, they couldn't hand out those reports. Yeah, the men in black came and got it. Yeah. Manuel spoke to the media who said that they know of the flying humanoid reports and it was told that they chose not to cover them as to not cause a panic. You have a whole city staring at the sky that can cause problems. (laughs) Yeah. There were over four dozen sightings of a winged humanoid creature around Lake Michigan in 2017. Most came from Chicago. It is a very populated place. Yeah. The reports spread from there into Illinois, then further until every state bordering the lake had reports. Oh, that's a little bit more concerning. Yeah. What about, it does have a Canadian side, right? Yeah, because that's how they... uh, Would get booze into Chicago. (laughs) No, no, that's not what I was going to... That's somehow how the... That big waterfall. Watched a documentary. Yes, I just watched a documentary a few weeks ago about it. I should know this. Niagara Falls. Lake Michigan is part of how... They work. You mean it's the source of the water? Yes. Oh, goody. I'm glad to see that (laughs) geology class helped out. Oh, that was a terrible explanation. Okay. A witness reported her and her family had been stalked by a flying, shape-shifting humanoid for decades throughout the Midwestern and Southeastern United States. Her first sighting was in 1970 in Chicago. She said it lived in a vacant warehouse next to their home and that it occurred during 1970 to 1974. It followed them when they moved. She described it as being a shapeshifter, as I said before. The original form was about seven foot tall with wings that spanned about six foot. And then there was the goblin form, which she called it that because it had a goblin looking like face. Oh, okay. With ears that looked like bat wings, but more flexible. I don't know what they mean by that. I can see how they could get the idea of a mothman out of this. Yeah. It was dark brown, almost black, red glowing eyes, and claw-like feet. Very long arms and fingers, and the arms were separate from the wings and not connected. That's a very moth-like description. Mm-hmm. It had a long tail that was pointed at the end, and it was extremely fast in that form. Okay. The mothman I know has a big shiny metal butt, not no tail. <laughs> I don't think the moth. Man, Mothman actually had a big shiny butt. I think that's just the statue. Well, that's the only Mothman I know. Uh, it might have a big butt, but I don't think it's shiny. 
I don't know many people seeing it from behind anyway. <laughs> you just have to guess. Maybe not. I don't know. Moths don't have buttons mm. like tails. Some other forms that she mentioned was the moth-like creature with hands and wings that were attached, closer to six foot tall, long teeth. Okay. And then there was the big bat form. This might just be a really mischievous vampire. It was about three feet. What about it? In size. Oh, it was oh about my. three feet in I, size. I wouldn't be afraid of a chihuahua. So <laughs> It had red eyes. It was black. It had long teeth. And it wasn't as fast in this form, but it was still faster than a human. And another note about the goblin-like form, the hands and wings were separate. It was gray and black, long teeth. It had human-like hands, but long claws, sharp talons on its feet. And it drooled. That sounds very goblin-y. And it would lick itself like it was cleaning. Was it just a rabid animal? That's possible. Uh, a rabid bat. Bats do carry rabies. But maybe it wasn't even rabid. What did it do to anybody? I don't know. It was some poor animal. But it had about a two foot long tail, she said. Okay. It was just a mutant animal. A sad mutant animal that wanted to clean itself. Yeah. She also mentioned that it perches up high. Well, it perched up high. It hated dogs. Oh, I thought you said it purchased a pie. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not no animal. <laughs> Um, no, it perched up high. It hated dogs and was in many of their homes because apparently they moved around. It's a cat. Different homes and it followed them. And it would hide in shadows. Mostly had a moss-like scent. It's a raccoon. <laughs> and it was mean in nature. And it made a loud screeching sound in every form that it took. Uh, maybe that one of their children just had a habit of bringing wild animals in. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But that's... And they jump to the conclusion that it's just a shape-shifting monster that lives in their house. Yeah. But this book was, I want to say, 22 chapters altogether. And I didn't want to go all the way into it because we've spent a lot of time on the Mouthman as is. And we have, I mean, and these sounded a little less... Yeah. Uh, the shape-shifting part was cool. Yeah. Now I've got it in my head that it's just some kid bringing in animals <laughs> and terrifying the parents. So. Yeah. Well, that's why I put those particular ones in. but. There was a lot more witness stories or reports in this book, if you're interested in that. What was it called again? The Lake Michigan Mothman by Tobias Whalen. Okay. Well, thank you for telling me that one. I only remember certain parts of it and probably the ones I made up myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll put I the... I got my own version of Mothman. <laughs> yeah. I'll just add the links to all this stuff in the description and all the free trials for anything Amazon, Kindle, or Audible related. Even Amazon Prime and video because there'll be some video links that are pretty good to watch, including the Mothman Prophecies movie, which isn't as related to the book as I, since I didn't know I, there was a book until a day ago. If you would like to email me with either suggestions for future episodes or if I get something wrong, such as the pronunciations, because we all know I'm not good with that. And you want to respectfully let me know, you can email me at horrifichistory.hauntings at gmail.com. I also have a Pinterest, which I like to save either inspiration or interesting things or pictures about the topics that I go into. Then you can look at the saved pins on my Pinterest. It's also Horrific History Hauntings. Not in Hauntings, just Horrific History Hauntings. Somebody else had the end. Yeah. Um, you want to see this on YouTube? I'll have the links in the description of the podcast for the YouTube channel and the link to the rest of the podcast and all the podcasts, including this one, to our website in the same section of the description. Whichever way you want to hear it or see it, it'll be there. Then you'll have all the affiliate links down there. That'd be nice if you use any of those. It'll help us out a lot. 
If you liked it, you can leave a tip. But the website, not not the YouTube, but the actual website where all our podcasts are found. And you just click on the random podcast and say, leave a tip on the little dots in the corner. We would really appreciate it. Or just use the affiliate links. Buy something cool. Get a free membership to Audible or something. Kindle Unlimited. Which uh, is definitely worth it. Oh, yeah. If you are a reader, you enjoy reading, it is very worth it. I use Audible. Baby, it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, the website will have the other podcasts we do. Brother Nerds Quest is a podcast where I take random tabletop role-playing games to my sister and talk about them. And she tells me what she thinks near the end. And if you like video games, you should listen to Leveling Duo. It's a podcast I do with my friend Dakota. And we talk about video games we really enjoyed. I've been talking about Starfield a lot. He's brought up a lot of PS2 games that have sounded pretty cool. Any other social links we have will be in the description as well. Thank you for listening. Leave a review on whatever you listen to us or watch us on. I've been Ramey. And I'm Beth. And this has been HHNH. Goodbye.